section twenty five of the life of ludwig von beethoven volume one by alexander wheelock thayer translated by henry edward crebille this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty two the year eighteen o two the heiligenstadt will beethoven's views on arrangements a defence of beethoven's brothers the slanders of romancers and unscrupulous biographers compositions and publications of the year the impatient beethoven vexed at the tardy improvement of his health under the treatment of Vering, made that change of physicians contemplated in his letter to wegler this was done some time in the winter eighteen o one to eighteen o two and is all the foundation there is for schindler's story of a serious illness in the first months of this year for which he was treated by the highly esteemed physician dr schmidt the remarkable list of compositions and publications belonging to this year is proof sufficient that he suffered no physical disability of such a nature as seriously to interrupt his ordinary vocations as is also the utter silence of rees bruning zerny dola zelec and beethoven himself the tone of the letters written at the time is also significant on this point concerning the failure of his project to follow the example set in eighteen hundred and give a concert towards the close of the winter in the theatre we learn all we know from a letter from his brother karl to breitkopf and hartel dated april twenty two eighteen o two therein we read my brother would himself have written to you but he is ill disposed towards everything because the director of the theatre baron von braun who as is known is a stupid and rude fellow refused him the use of the theatre for his concert and gave it to other really mediocre artists and i believe it must vex him greatly to see himself so unworthily treated particularly as the baron has no cause and my brother has dedicated several works to his wife when one looks down from the kahlenberg towards vienna in the bright sweet springtime the interesting country is almost worthy of tennyson's description it lies deep meadowed happy fair with orchard lawns and bowery hollows crowned with summer sea conspicuous are the villages durbling hard by the city neusdorfer line and heiligenstadt divided from durbling by a ridge of higher land in a deep gorge beethoven at heiligenstadt dr schmidt having enjoined upon beethoven to spare his hearing as much as possible he removed for the summer to the place last named there is much and good reason to believe that his rooms were in a large peasant house still standing on the elevated plain beyond the village on the road to neusdorf now with many neat cottages near but then probably quite solitary in those years there was from his windows an unbroken view across fields the danube and the marchfeld to the carpathian mountains that line the horizon a few minutes walk citywards brought him to the baths of heiligenstadt or in the opposite direction to the secluded valley in which at another period he composed the pastoral symphony the vast increase of vienna and its environs in population has caused corresponding changes but in eighteen o two that peasant house seems to have offered him everything he could desire fresh air sun green fields delightful walks bathing easy access to his physician and yet a degree of solitude which now is not easy to conceive as having been attainable so near the capital part of a letter written hence to breitkopf and hartel but no longer in the possession of that house affords another illustration of beethoven's excellent common sense and discrimination in all that pertained to his art concerning arrangements i am heartily glad that you rejected them the unnatural rage now prevalent to transplant even pianoforte pieces to stringed instruments instruments so utterly opposite to each other in all respects ought to come to an end i insist 
stoutly that only mozart could arrange his pianoforte pieces for other instruments and haydn and without wishing to put myself in the class of these great men i also asserted touching my pianoforte sonatas too since not only are whole passages to be omitted and changed but also things are to be added and here lies the obstacle to overcome which one must either be the master himself or at least have the same skill and inventive power i transcribed a single one of my sonatas for string quartet yielding to great persuasion and i certainly know that it would not be an easy matter for another to do as well the difficulties here mentioned it will be noticed are those of transcribing pianoforte music for other instruments the contrary operation is so comparatively easy that beethoven very rarely performed it himself but left it for the most part to young musicians whose work he revised and corrected there are a great many pieces by beethoven says reese published with the designation arrange par l'autor mem but only four of these are genuine namely from his famous septet he arranged first a violin quintet and then a pianoforte trio out of his pianoforte quintet with four wind instruments he made a pianoforte quartet with three stringed instruments finally he arranged the violin concerto which is dedicated to stefan von brunning opus sixty one as a pianoforte concerto many other pieces were arranged by me revised by beethoven and then sold as beethoven's by his brother caspar without calling in question here the general statement in this citation it may be remarked that if reese is right in respect to the arrangement of the septet as a quintet the work remained in manuscript for the one published was by hofmeister but the trio was begun and as is believed finished this year its history has been told reese's statement is neither exhaustive nor altogether exact touching the arrangements of the septet moreover in eighteen o six without beethoven's knowledge or consent he arranged the six quartets opus eighteen and the three trios for strings opus nine as pianoforte trios an interesting anecdote from the notizen may be introduced here count brown says reese made a rather long sojourn about this time in baden near vienna where i was called upon frequently to play beethoven's music evenings in the presence of enthusiastic beethovenians sometimes from notes sometimes by heart here i had an opportunity to learn how in the majority of cases a name alone is sufficient to characterize everything in a composition as beautiful and excellent or mediocre and bad one day weary of playing without notes i improvised a march without a thought as to its merit or any ulterior purpose an old countess who actually tormented beethoven with her devotion went into ecstasies over it thinking it was a new composition of his which i in order to make sport of her and the other enthusiasts affirmed only too quickly unhappily beethoven came to baden the next day he had scarcely entered count brown's room in the evening when the old countess began to speak of the most admirable and glorious march imagine my embarrassment knowing well that beethoven could not tolerate the old countess i hurriedly drew him aside and whispered to him that i had merely meant to make sport of her foolishness to my good fortune he accepted the explanation in good part but my embarrassment grew when i was called upon to repeat the march which turned out worse since beethoven stood at my side he was overwhelmed with praise on all hands and his genius lauded he listening in a perturbed manner and with growing rage until he found relief in a roar of laughter later he remarked to me you see my dear reese those are the great cognoscenti who wish to judge every composition so correctly and severely only give them the name of their favourite they will need nothing more yet the march led to one good result count brown immediately commissioned beethoven to compose three marches for pianoforte four hands melancholy influence of heiligenstadt the seclusion of heiligenstadt was of itself so seductive to beethoven that the prudence of dr schmidt 
in advising him to withdraw so much from society may be doubted the more because the benefit to his hearing proved to be small or none it gave him too many lonely hours in which to brood over his calamity it enabled him still to flatter himself that his secret was yet safe it led him to defer too long for his peace of mind the bitter moment of confession and consequently to deprive himself needlessly of the tender compassion and ready sympathy of friends whose lips were sealed so long as he withheld his confidence but in truth the secret so jealously guarded was already known but who could inform him of it though not long nor generally as we learn from reese it was well for beethoven when the time came for him to return to the city and to resume the duties and obligations of his profession to what depths of despondency he sometimes sank in those solitary hours at heilgenstadt is shown by a remarkable and most touching paper written there just before his return to town but never seen by other eyes until after his death although addressed to and intended for both his brothers it is as schindler has remarked surprising and singular that the name johann is left utterly blank throughout not even being indicated by the usual it is couched in terms of energetic expression rising occasionally to eloquence somewhat rude and unpolished indeed but perhaps for that reason the more striking the manuscript is so carefully written and disfigured by so few erasures and corrections as to prove the great pains taken with it before the final copy was made the closing sentences in which he discovers his expectations of an early death have acquired double importance since the publication of schindler's suicide story for the decisive manner in which they remove every possible suspicion that even in his present hypochondria he could contemplate such a crime reese's paragraph upon beethoven's deafness in which he relates a circumstance alluded to in the document is its most fitting introduction as early as eighteen o two beethoven suffered from deafness at various times but the affliction each time passed away the beginning of his hard hearing was a matter upon which he was so sensitive that one had to be careful not to make him feel his deficiency by loud speech when he failed to understand a thing he generally attributed it to his absent-mindedness to which indeed he was subject in a great degree he lived much in the country whither i went often to take a lesson from him at times at eight o'clock in the morning after breakfast he would say let us first take a short walk we went and frequently did not return till three or four o'clock after having made a meal in some village on one of these wanderings beethoven gave me the first striking proof of his loss of hearing concerning which stephan von bruning had already spoken to me i called his attention to a shepherd who was piping very agreeably in the woods on a flute made of a twig of elder for half an hour beethoven could hear nothing and though i assured him that it was the same with me which was not the case he became extremely quiet and morose when occasionally he seemed to be merry it was generally to the extreme of boisterousness but this happened seldom following is the text of the document text of the heiligenstadt will for my brothers karl and so on beethoven o ye men who think or say that i am malevolent stubborn or misanthropic how greatly do ye wrong me you do not know the secret causes of my seeming from childhood my heart and mind were disposed to the gentle feeling of goodwill i was even ever eager to accomplish great deeds but reflect now that for six years i have been in a hopeless case aggravated by senseless physicians cheated year after year in the hope of improvement finally compelled to face the prospect of a lasting malady whose cure will take years or perhaps be impossible born with an ardent and lively temperament even susceptible to the diversions of society i was compelled early to isolate myself to live in loneliness when i at times tried to forget all this oh how harshly was i repulsed by the doubly sad experience of my bad hearing and yet it was impossible for me to say to men speak louder shout for i am deaf 
ah how could i possibly admit an infirmity in the one sense which should have been more perfect in me than in others a sense which i once possessed in highest perfection a perfection such as few surely in my profession enjoy or ever have enjoyed oh i cannot do it therefore forgive me when you see me draw back when i would gladly mingle with you my misfortune is doubly painful because it must lead to my being misunderstood for me there can be no recreation in society of my fellows refined intercourse mutual exchange of thought only just as little as the greatest needs command may i mix with society i must live like an exile if i approach near to people a hot terror seizes upon me a fear that i may be subjected to the danger of letting my condition be observed thus it has been during the last half-year which i spent in the country commanded by my intelligent physician to spare my hearing as much as possible in this almost meeting my present natural disposition although i sometimes ran counter to it yielding to my inclination for society but what a humiliation when one stood beside me and heard a flute in the distance and i heard nothing or someone heard the shepherd singing and again i heard nothing such incidents brought me to the verge of despair but little more and i would have put an end to my life only art it was that withheld me ah it seemed impossible to leave the world until i had produced all that i felt called upon to produce and so i endured this wretched existence truly wretched an excitable body which a sudden change can throw from the best into the worst state patience it is said i must now choose for my guide i have done so i hope my determination will remain firm to endure until it pleases the inexorable parsi to break the thread perhaps i shall get better perhaps not i am prepared forced already in my twenty-eighth year to become a philosopher oh it is not easy less easy for the artist than for any one else divine one thou lookest into my inmost soul thou knowest it thou knowest that love of man and desire to do good live therein o oh, men when some day you read these words reflect that ye did me wrong and let the unfortunate one comfort himself and find one of his kind who despite all the obstacles of nature yet did all that was in his power to be accepted among worthy artists and men you my brothers carl and as soon as i am dead if dr schmidt is still alive ask him in my name to describe my malady and attach this document to the history of my illness so that so far as is possible at least the world may become reconciled with me after my death at the same time i declare you two to be the heirs to my small fortune if so it can be called divide it fairly bear with and help each other what injury you have done me you know was long ago forgiven to you brother carl i give special thanks for the attachment you have displayed towards me of late it is my wish that your lives may be better and freer from care than i have had recommend virtue to your children it alone can give happiness not money i speak from experience it was virtue that upheld me in misery to it next to my art i owe the fact that i did not end my life by suicide farewell and love each other i thank all my friends particularly prince lichnowsky and professor schmidt i desire that the instruments from prince l be preserved by one of you but let no quarrel result from this so soon as they can serve you a better purpose sell them how glad will i be if i can still be helpful to you in my grave with joy i hasten towards death if it comes before i shall have had an opportunity to show all my artistic capacities it will still come too early for me despite my hard fate and i shall probably wish that it had come later but even then i am satisfied will it not free me from a state of endless suffering come when thou wilt i shall meet thee bravely farewell and do not wholly forget me when i am dead i deserve this of you and having often in life thought of you how to make you happy be so ludwig von beethoven seal Hagenstadt, october sixth eighteen o two for my brothers carl and to be read 
and executed after my death heigenstadt october tenth eighteen o two thus do i take my farewell of thee and indeed sadly yes that beloved hope which i brought with me when i came here to be cured at least in a degree i must wholly abandon as the leaves of autumn fall and are withered so hope has been blighted almost as i came i go away even the high courage which often inspired me in the beautiful days of summer has disappeared o providence grant me at last but one day of pure joy it is so long since real joy echoed in my heart o when o when o divine one shall i feel it again in the temple of nature and of men never no oh that would be too hard a quick reversion to merriment de profundis wit and yet in that retirement whence came a paper of such profound sadness was wrought out the symphony in d a work whose grand and imposing introduction brilliant allegro a larghetto so lovely so pure and amiably conceived written in the scenes which gave inspiration to the divine pastoral of which its serene tranquillity seems the precursor a scherzo as merry wayward skipping and charming as anything possible and even ulibichef admits and a finale the very intoxication of spirit intoxicated with fire made it like the quartets an era both in the life of its author and in the history of instrumental music in life as in music the more profoundly the depths of feeling are sounded in the adagio the more merry to the verge of boisterousness the scherzo which follows but who reading that in october that beloved hope had been abandoned and the high courage which had often inspired him in the beautiful days of summer had disappeared could anticipate that in november through the wonderful elasticity of his nature his mind would have so recovered its tone as to leave no trace visible of the so recent depression and gloom perhaps the mere act of giving his feelings vent in that extraordinary pre memoria may have brought on the crisis and from that moment the reaction may have begun the following letter to zameskel to which the recipient appended the date november eighteen o two is whimsically written on both sides of a strip of very ordinary coarse writing paper fourteen and a half inches long by four and three-quarters wide you may my dear z talk as plainly as you please to walter in the affair of mine first because he deserves it and then because since the belief has gone forth that i am no longer on good terms with walter i am pestered by the whole swarm of pianoforte makers wishing to serve me and gratis moreover every one wants to build a pianoforte for me just to my liking thus Rika was urgently begged by the man who made a pianoforte for him to persuade me to let him make me one and he is one of the more honest at whose place i have seen good instruments make him understand therefore that i will pay him thirty florins whereas i might have one from all the others for nothing but i will pay thirty florins only on condition that it be of mahogany and also want the one string una corda pedal if he does not agree to this make it plain to him that i shall choose one of the others and also introduce him to haydn a frenchman stranger is coming to me at about twelve o'clock to-day volte subito herr Rika and i will have the pleasure of displaying my art on a piano by jacques ad notum if you want also to come we shall have a good time since afterward we Rika, our miserable imperial baron and the frenchmen will dine together you do not need to don a black coat as we shall be a party of men only another letter to zameskel who noted the date november thirteenth eighteen o two on it runs as follows dear z give up your music at the prince's nothing else can be done we shall rehearse at your house to-morrow morning early at half-past eight and the production will be at my house at eleven ah dio excellent plenipotentiarius regni beethovensis the rascals have been jailed as they have deserved in their own handwriting production of what the next quintet opus twenty nine no doubt at my house no longer in the hamburger house on the bastion but in the one pointed out by zerny beethoven lived a little later about eighteen o two on the petersplatz the corner house beside the guard-house vis-a-vis of my present lodgings in the fourth story where i visited him as often as i did in the tiefen graben if you will give me the pleasure of a visit beside dom second story i will show you the windows there i visited several times every week 
what whim could have induced beethoven to remove to this house with the bells of st peter's on one side and those of st stephen's sounding down upon him on the other and he so suffering with his ears perhaps because friends were in the house Furster's earliest recollections of beethoven date from this winter and this house for his father's dwelling was in the third story above him he remembers that beethoven volunteered to instruct him in pianoforte playing and that he was forced to rise at six in the morning and descend the cold stairs child as he was hardly six years of age to take his lessons and on one occasion going up again crying because his master had whipped his little fingers with one of the iron or steel needles used in knitting the coarse yarn jackets worn by women in service the composition of the marches for four hands opus forty five ordered by count brown dates also from the house in the petersplatz he composed part of the second march while giving me a lesson on a sonata which i had to play in the evening at the court's house at a little concert a thing that still seems incomprehensible to me i was also to play the marches on the same occasion with him while we were playing young count p sitting in the doorway leading to the next room spoke so loudly and continuously to a pretty woman that beethoven after several efforts had vainly been made to secure quiet suddenly took my hands from the keys in the middle of the music jumped up and said very loudly i will not play for such swine all efforts to get him to return to the pianoforte were vain and he would not even allow me to play the sonata so the music came to an end in the midst of much ill-humour in composing beethoven tested his pieces at the pianoforte until he found them to his liking and sang the while his voice in singing was hideous it was thus that zerny heard him at work on the forehand marches while waiting in a side room according to jan's papers this statement came also from zerny beethoven and his brothers it is now necessary to turn back to november and again undertake the annoying and thankless task of examining a broad tissue of mingled fact and misrepresentation and severing the truth from the error this time the subject is the relations which existed between beethoven and his brothers in these years a letter written by caspar is the occasion of taking it up here johann andre a music publisher at offenbach on the main following the example of hofmeister negelli breitkopf and hartel and others now applied to beethoven for manuscripts caspar wrote the reply under date november twenty three eighteen o two at present we have nothing but a symphony a grand concerto for a, a grand concerto for pianoforte the first at three hundred florins and the second at the same price if you should want three pianoforte sonatas i could furnish them for no less than nine hundred florins all according to vienna standard and these you could not have all at once but one every five or six weeks because my brother does not trouble himself with such trifles any longer and composes only oratorios operas etc also you are to send us eight copies of every piece which you may possibly engrave whether the pieces please you or not i beg you to answer otherwise i might be prevented from selling them to someone else we have also two adagios for the violin with complete instrumental accompaniment which will cost one hundred and thirty-five florins and two little easy sonatas each with two movements which are at your service for two hundred and eighty florins in addition i beg you to present our compliments to our friend koch your obedient k v beethoven r i treasury official this ludicrous display of the young man's self-importance as royal imperial treasury official and ludwig von beethoven's factotum is certainly very absurd but hardly affords adequate grounds for the exceeding scorn of schindler's remarks upon it it is in itself sufficiently provocative of prejudice against its writer but a display of vanity and self-esteem is ridiculous not criminal the general charge brought by reese against caspar and johann von beethoven is this his brothers sought in particular to keep all his intimate friends away from him and no matter what wrongs they did him of which he was convinced they cost him only a few tears and all was immediately forgotten on such occasions he was in the habit of saying but they are my brothers nevertheless and the friend received a rebuke for his good nature and frankness 
the brothers attained their purpose in causing the withdrawal from him of many friends especially when because of his hard hearing it became more difficult to converse with him two years after the notice left the press schindler published his biography in it although he first knew beethoven in eighteen fourteen johann some years later and caspar probably never and therefore personally could know nothing of the facts of this period yet he made the picture still darker the special charge against caspar is that about this time in eighteen hundred he began to rule beethoven and made him suspicious of his most sincere friends and devotees by means of false representations and even jealousy there is a class of writers in germany whom no regard for the feelings of the living no veneration for the memories of the great dead no scruples on the score of truth and even in some cases not respect and admiration for the greatest living genius talent and literary or scientific fame restrain from using or moderate their use of whatever can add piquancy to their appeals to the purient imaginations of certain classes of readers delicacy of feeling and nicety of conscience are not to be expected of such heartless traducers of the living and the dead but that even the most contemptible of the tribe regardless of the pain which such a slander of her husband's father must have caused to a widowed mother and her amiable children could venture to represent karl caspar von beethoven as the seller of his wife's virtue and a sharer in the wages of her shame is as inconceivable as that his book should be received with praise by critics and applause by the public that it should gain its author pecuniary profit instead of a prison the story is utterly without foundation a pure invention and a falsehood and is told moreover of poor caspar at a time when as yet he had no wife unfortunately this treatment of beethoven's brothers is not confined to writers of novels and feuilletonists they who profess to write history no sooner strike upon this topic than fancy seems to usurp the seat of reason and imagination to take the place of judgment the lines of reese expand into paragraphs the sentences of schindler into chapters but the picture thus overdrawn and exaggerated in some degree corrects itself for if the brothers were really as represented what is to be thought of beethoven if he in fact was so led controlled and held in subjection by them as described characters of karl caspar and johann now what is really known of karl caspar and johann though it sufficiently confutes much of the calumnious nonsense which has been printed about them is not fitted to convey any very exalted idea of their characters the same frau karth who remembered ludwig in his youth as always gentle and lovable related that caspar was less kindly in his disposition proud and presumptuous and that johann was a bit stupid yet very good-natured and such they were in manhood caspar like ludwig was very passionate but more violent in his sudden wrath johann slow to wrath and placable notwithstanding the poverty of his youth and early manhood it is not known that caspar was avaricious but johann had felt too bitterly the misery of want and dependence and became penurious after he had accumulated a moderate fortune the contests between his avarice and the desire to display his wealth led to very ludicrous exhibitions in a word beethoven was not a phenomenon of goodness nor were his brothers monsters of iniquity that both rees and schindler wrote honestly has not been doubted but common justice demands the reminder that they wrote under the bias of strong personal dislike to one or both brothers rees wrote impressions received at a very early time in life and records opinions formed upon incomplete data schindler wrote entirely upon hearsay rees had not completed his twenty-first year when he departed from vienna eighteen o five howsoever strong were beethoven's gratitude to franz rees and affection for ferdinand fourteen years was too great a disparity in age to allow that trustful and familiar intercourse between master and pupil which could enable the latter to speak with full knowledge nor does a man of beethoven's age and position turn from old and valued friends 
like the lignovskys bruning zameskel and others of whatever names to make a youth of from eighteen to twenty years a newcomer and previously a stranger even though a favourite pupil his confidential adviser facts confirm the proposition in this case we know that beethoven in eighteen o one imparted grave matters to wegler and amenda of which rees a year later had only received intimation from bruning and other circumstances of which he knew nothing are recorded in the testament of eighteen o two the charges against the brothers both of rees and schindler are general in terms rees only giving specifications or instances in proof schindler may be passed by as but repeating the notism now the onus of rees's charges is this first that caspar thrust himself impertinently into his brother's business second that both brothers intrigued to isolate beethoven from his intimate friends and that their machinations were in many cases successful karl caspar as a business manager to the first point it is to be remarked besides beethoven's often expressed disinclination to engage personally in negotiations for the sale of his works although when he did he showed no lack of a keen eye to profits his physical and mental condition at this period of his life often rendered the assistance of an agent indispensable accounts were to be kept with half a dozen publishers letters received upon business were numerous and often demanded prompt replies proof-sheets were constantly arriving for revision and correction copyists required supervision an abundance of minor matters continually coming up and needing attention when beethoven might be on his long rambles over hill and dale the last man to be found in an emergency one asks with astonishment how could so obvious a necessity for a confidential agent have escaped notice who should or could this agent be but his brother caspar he held an honourable place in a public office the duties of which necessarily implied the possession of those talents for and habits of prompt and skilful performance of business which his early receipt of salary and his regular advancement in position show that he really did possess his duties detained him in the city at all times occasional short vacations excepted and yet left him ample leisure to attend to his brother's affairs he was a musician by education and fully competent to render valuable service in that fearful period of arrangements as it is well known he did what would have justly been said of beethoven if he had passed by one so eminently qualified for the task one on whom the paternal relation and his own long-continued care and protection had given him so many claims and had transferred the burden from his own shoulders to those of other friends but if after adequate trial the agent proved unsatisfactory the case would be changed and the principal might with propriety seek needed assistance in other quarters and precisely this appears to have occurred for after a few years caspar disappears almost entirely from our history in connection with his brother's pecuniary affairs this fact is stronger evidence than anything in rees's statements that beethoven became dissatisfied with his brother's management and would have still more weight had he been less fickle inconstant and undecided in matters of business seyfried whose acquaintance with beethoven ripened just at this time into intimacy and who in eighteen o two to o five had the best possible opportunities for observation beheld the relations between the brothers with far less jaundiced eyes than rees he says beethoven was the more glad to choose joyous vienna for his future and permanent home since two younger brothers had followed him thither who took off his shoulders the oppressive load of financial cares and who were compelled to act almost as guardians for the priest of art to whom the ordinary affairs of civil life were as strange as strange could be at that time seyfried like rees was ignorant of the circumstances detailed to wegler and amenda and in the testament but the admirable selection of words in the closing phrase will strike all who have had occasion to read beethoven's countless notes asking advice or aid in matters which most men would deem too trivial 
or even a passing word in conversation the specifications of rees in his charges against caspar will not long detain us the story of the quarrel over the disposition of the nagali sonatas may stand in all its ugliness and with no comment save the suggestion of the possibility that caspar's word as ludwig's agent may have been pledged to the leipzig publisher the one really specific charge of rees is the one on page one hundred and twenty four of the notism all trifles and many things which he did not want to publish because he thought them unworthy of his name were secretly given to publicity by his brother thus songs which he had composed years before his departure for vienna became known only after he had reached a high degree of fame thus too little compositions which he had written in autograph albums were filched and published by trifles rees of course here refers to the bagatelles opus thirty three par louis van beethoven seventeen eighty two as the manuscript is superscribed published in the spring of eighteen o three the manuscript itself proves rees to be in error the words par louis van beethoven are in a hand unlike anything known to the present writer from beethoven's pen this fact together with a something not easily described in the appearance of the notes suggests the idea that this copy of the bagatelles was made by caspar and compiled except number six and perhaps one other from the compositions of beethoven in his boyhood but the corrections the words andante gracioso scherzo allegro allegretto con una certo expressione parlante etc written with lead pencil or a different ink are certainly from beethoven's own hand also in still another ink the thoroughly beethovenish opus thirty three no one can mistake that this work most assuredly was never secretly given to the public the only album composition known to have been published in those years is the song with variations ich denke dein and this beethoven himself had offered to hofmeister before it was printed by the kunst und industrie comptoir the songs referred to by rees can only be those of opus fifty two the original manuscript having disappeared neither refutes nor confirms his opinion it is however exceedingly doubtful that beethoven's brothers would have dared give an opus number to a stolen publication a priori rees is more likely to be in error here than in regard to the bagatelles now the only contemporary criticism upon the latter which has been discovered is a single line in mall's annalen der literatur vienna eighteen o four deserve the title in every sense of the word upon the song with variations no notice whatever has been found but opus fifty two was received by the allgemeine musik zeitung of august twenty eighth eighteen o five in this style opera forty seven and thirty eight having been duly praised the writer continues is it possible that number three of these eight songs is from the pen of this composer admirable even in his vagaries it must be since it is at least his name is printed large on the title page the publisher is mentioned the songs were published in vienna where the composer lives and indeed bear his latest opus number comprehend it he who can that a thing in all respects so commonplace poor weak and in great part ludicrous should not only emanate from such a man but even be published karl caspar a probable scapegoat and more like this illustrated by copying das blumchen wunterholt these citations suggest an obvious explanation of rees's mistake namely beethoven mortified ashamed angry purposely left him to believe that he was innocent of the publication of these compositions it was one of the advantages of having caspar in vienna that the responsibility of such false steps could be shifted upon him those who are predetermined not to admit in beethoven's character any of the faults frailties and shortcomings of our common human nature will of course censure this explanation let them propose a better finally in the paragraph upon the efforts of beethoven's brothers to keep all of the composer's friends away from him it is easy to read between the lines that it was rees himself who oft was rebuked for his good nature and frankness which of itself to some extent lessens the force of the charge but it is best met by the first half of the will or testament which with the confessions of Begler and amenda as above said 
open to our knowledge an inner life of the writer studiously concealed from his protege in this solemn document written as he supposed upon the brink of the grave beethoven touches upon this very question we learn from his own affecting words that the cause of his separation from friends lay not in the machinations of his brothers but in his own sensitiveness he records for future use what he cannot now explain without disclosing his jealously guarded secret that record now serves a double purpose it relieves caspar and johann from a portion of the odium so long cast upon their memories and proves rees to be in part at least in error without impugning his veracity it is very probable rees never saw the will had he known and carefully read it the prejudices of his youth must have been weakened the opinions founded upon partial knowledge modified he was of too noble a nature not to have gladly seen the memories of the dead vindicated not to have been struck with and affected by the words of his deceased master to you brother carl i give special thanks for the attachment you have displayed towards me of late pass we to another topic on frequent occasions says rees he showed a truly paternal interest in me from this source there sprang the written order in eighteen o two which he sent me in a fit of anger because of an unpleasant predicament into which carl van beethoven had gotten me beethoven wrote you do not need to come to heiligenstadt i have no time to lose at the time count brown was indulging himself with pleasures in which i was taking part he being kindly disposed towards me and was in consequence neglecting my lessons that beethoven during the summer when his vocations were interrupted by the dark hours in which the will was produced could have no time to lose in those lighter days when the spirit of labour was upon him is clear from the surprising list of compositions written and published in this year compositions completed in eighteen o two the works which were developed were the three violin sonatas opus thirty the first two of the three pianoforte sonatas opus thirty one the two sets of variations opus thirty four and thirty five the bagatelles opus thirty three and the chief work of the year the second symphony d major opus thirty six the works which came from the press were the pianoforte sonatas opus twenty two twenty six and twenty seven numbers one and two the serenade opus twenty five the septet opus twenty the quintet opus twenty nine the rondo and g opus fifty one number two the transcription for strings of the pianoforte sonata in e opus fourteen number one the variations for violoncello and pianoforte on by manern belcher liba fulen dedicated to count brown the six contradances and six rustic randrichka dances there were thirteen performances of the ballet prometheus moreover it is at least remotely possible that the two large works which were played together with the symphonies in c and d at beethoven's concert on april five eighteen o three these the pianoforte concerto in c minor opus thirty seven and the oratorio christus am ulberg opus eighty five were not so far advanced in all their parts that they too may have occupied the attention of beethoven in the winter of eighteen o two to o three for nearly all the works completed in eighteen o two studies are to be found in the sketch-book described in full by nottebaum which covers the period from the fall of eighteen o one to the spring of eighteen o two like the majority of the sketch-books it contains themes and studies which were never worked out overlooking the sketches which cross each other says nottebaum and putting aside all that is immaterial the compositions represented in the book which were completed and are known may be set down chronologically as follows Apfelied by matheson first form scene and aria for soprano no non turbati three of the contradances bagatelle for pianoforte number six of opus thirty three last movement of the symphony in d major five of the six landrisca tanza Dorzetto, tremata emja tremata opus one sixteen first and second movements of the sonata for pianoforte and violin in a major opus thirty number one last movement of the sonata for pianoforte and violin in a major opus forty seven sonata for pianoforte and violin in c minor opus thirty number two bagatelle for pianoforte number five of opus one nineteen one twelve first movement of the sonata for pianoforte in d minor opus thirty one number two the first sketch only sonata for pianoforte and violin in g major opus thirty number three last movement of the sonata for pianoforte and violin in a major opus thirty number one the theme had been designed before 
variations for pianoforte in e flat major opus thirty five preparatory work variations for pianoforte in f major opus thirty four only the first hints sonata for pianoforte in g major opus thirty one number one not complete to which may be added as occurring early in the book the theme of the larghetto of the symphony in d here for horns out of which eventually grew the trio in the scherzo a curious remark on one of the pages seems to be a memorandum for a piece of descriptive music marital felicity dark clouds upon the brow of the husband in which the fair half unites but still seeks to dispel the evident care taken by the composer at this period to make the opus numbers really correspond to the chronological order of his works is a strong reason for concluding that the violin sonatas opus thirty were completed or nearly so before he removed to haugenstadt even in that case what wonderful genius and capacity for labour does it show that before the close of the year in spite of ill health and periods of the deepest despondency and of all the interruptions caused by his ordinary vocations after his return to town he had completed the first two sonatas of opus thirty one the two extensive and novel sets of variations opus thirty four and opus thirty five and the noble second symphony all of them witnesses that he had really entered upon a new path neither of them more so than the symphony so amazingly superior to its predecessor in grandeur and originality this was in fact the grand labour of this summer the pianoforte sonatas opus thirty one the three sonatas for pianoforte and violin are dedicated to czar alexander i of russia who is said to have given command that a valuable diamond ring be sent to the composer lentz could find no record of such an incident in the imperial archives the sketches show that the movement which now concludes the kreutzer sonata opus forty seven was originally designed for the first of the three the one in a major and that for the adagio of the second in c minor beethoven assuming that he already associated the theme with the work first contemplated using the key of g the three sonatas for piano forte opus thirty one are without dedication w nagel connects them or one of them with the following extraordinary letter to hofmeister vienna april eighth eighteen o two are you all ridden by the devil gentlemen that you propose such a sonata to me at the time of the revolutionary fever well such a thing might have been very well but now when everything is trying to get back into the old rut bonaparte has signed the concordat with the pope such a sonata if it were a missa pro sancta maria a tre woke or a vesper etc i would take my brush in hand at once and write down a credo in unum deum in big pound notes but good god such a sonata for these days of newly dawning christianity ho ho leave me out of it nothing will come of it now my answer in quickest tempo the lady can have a sonata for me and i will follow her plan in respect of thetics in a general way and without following the keys price five ducats for which she may keep it for her own enjoyment for a year neither i nor she to publish it at the expiration of the year the sonata will be mine too that is i shall publish it and she shall have the privilege if she thinks it will be an honour to ask me to dedicate it to her now god keep you gentlemen my sonata is beautifully printed gerstocken that is engraved but it took you a pretty time send my septet into the world a little quicker for the crowd is waiting for it and you know the empress has it and there are scamps in the imperial city as well as the imperial court i can vouch for nothing therefore make haste herr molo has again recently published my quartets but full of faults in narada in large as well as small form they swarm in them like fish in the sea there is no end of them questo e un piacere per un autore that's pricking music with a vengeance in truth my skin is full of prickings and rips because of this beautiful edition of my quartets now farewell and remember me as i do you till death your faithful l v beethoven an engagement which beethoven had obtained from count brown for reese was one that gave him leisure to pursue his studies and he often came to vienna and heiligenstadt for that purpose thus it happens that the notizen also contribute to the history of these sonatas reese writes beethoven had promised the three solo sonatas opus thirty one to nigelli in zurich while his brother karl caspar who unfortunately was always meddling with his affairs wanted to sell them to a leipzig publisher there were frequent exchanges of words between the brothers on this account because beethoven having given his word wanted to keep it when the sonatas the first two were about to be sent away beethoven was living in haugenstadt 
during a promenade new quarrels arose between the brothers and finally they came to blows the next day he gave me the sonatas to send straight to zurich and a letter to his brother enclosed in another to stephan von bruning who was to read it a prettier lesson could scarcely have been read by anybody with a good heart than beethoven read his brother on the subject of his conduct on the day before he first pointed it out in its true and contemptible character then he forgave him everything but predicted a bad future for him unless he mended his ways the letter too which he had written to bruning was very beautiful the first two sonatas d major and d minor appeared in the spring of eighteen o three as opus twenty nine in nigelli's repertoire des clavecinestes as cahier five the third followed soon after as opus thirty three together with the sonata pathetique as cahier eleven of cahier five nigelli sent proof sheets rees reports on the subject as follows when the proof sheets came i found beethoven writing play the sonata through he said to me remaining seated at his writing desk there was an unusual number of errors in the proofs which fact already made beethoven impatient at the end of the first allegro in the sonata in g major however nigelli had introduced four measures after the fourth measure of the last hold when i played this beethoven jumped up in a rage came running to me half pushed me away from the pianoforte shouting where the devil do you find that one can scarcely imagine his amazement and rage when he saw the printed notes i received the commission to make a record of all the errors and at once send the sonatas to simrock and bond who was to make a reprint and call it edition très correcte in this place belong three notes to me one be good enough to make a note of the errors and send a record of them at once to simrock with the request that he publish as soon as possible day after to-morrow i will send him the sonata and concerto two i must beg you again to do the disagreeable work of making a clear copy of the errors in the zurich sonatas and sending it to simrock you will find the list of the errors at my house in the Vieden. three dear reese not only are the expression marks poorly indicated but there are also false notes in several places therefore be careful or the work will again be in vain cha detto lamato bene the closing words of the second note show that the matter was not brought to an end until late in the spring of eighteen o three after beethoven had removed into the theatre buildings on der Wien. after the sonatas became known in vienna dola zelek asked beethoven if a certain passage in the d minor sonata was correct certainly it is correct replied the composer but you are a countryman of krumpholz nothing will go into that hard bohemian head of yours a circumstance related by zoni if accepted as authoritative proves that two of the three sonatas were completed in the country once when he beethoven saw a rider gallop past his windows in his summer sojourn in haugenstadt near vienna the regular beat of the horse's hoofs gave him the idea for the theme of the finale of the d minor sonata opus thirty one number two the six variations in f on an original theme opus thirty four dedicated to the princess odeskalki were probably composed immediately after the variations in e flat opus thirty five in the midst of the sketches for the latter in the kessler sketch-book two measures of the theme are noted and the remark appended each variation in a different key but alternately passages now in the left hand and then almost the same or different ones in the right the two sets of variations and the quintet opus twenty nine were sold to bright coffin hotel in october eighteen o two in a letter which the publishers received from the composer on october eighteenth eighteen o two beethoven writes characteristics of the variations i have made two sets of variations of which the first may be said to number eight the second thirty both are written in a really entirely new style and each in quite a different way i should very much like to have them published by you but under the one condition that the honorarium be about fifty florins for the two sets do not let me make this offer in vain for i assure you you will never regret the two works each theme in them is treated independently and in a wholly different manner as a rule i only hear of it through others when i have new ideas since i never know it myself yet this time i can assure you myself that the style in both works is new to me a more interesting letter received by breitkopf and hartel on december twenty sixth eighteen o two relates to the same subject it demands insertion in full instead of the noise about a new method of the variations such as would be made by our neighbours the gallo franks like for instance a certain frank composer who presents fugues après une nouvelle méthode it consisting in this that the fugue is no fugue etc 
i nevertheless want to call attention to the fact that these v differ at least from others and this i thought i could do in the most unconstrained and least conspicuous manner by means of the little prefatory note which i beg of you to print in the small as well as the large v leaving it for you to say in what language or how many languages since we poor germans are compelled to speak in all tongues here is the prefatory note inasmuch as these v differ materially from my earlier ones i have instead of designating them merely by number one two three etc included them in the list of my greater musical works and this also for the further reason that the themes are original the author note well if you find it necessary to change or improve anything you have my entire permission that by the large variations whose number thirty breitkopf and hartel seem to have called in question beethoven meant his opus thirty five is made plain by a third letter running as follows vienna april eighth eighteen o three i have wanted to write to you for a long time but my business affairs are so many that they permit but little correspondence you seem to be mistaken in your opinion that there are not as many variations as i stated only it would not do to announce the number as there is no way of telling how in the large set three variations are run into each other in the adagio and the few can certainly not be called a variation nor the introduction which as you may see for yourself begins with the base of the theme then expands to two three and finally four parts when the theme at last makes its appearance which again cannot be called a variation etc but if this is not clear to you send me a proof-sheet along with the manuscript as soon as a copy is printed so that i may be guarded against confusion you would do me a great favour if you would omit from the large variations the dedication to abbe stadler and print the following these de die etc ah monsieur le comte maurice lignovsky he is a brother of prince lignovsky and only recently did me an unexpected favour and i have no other opportunity to return the kindness if you have already engraved the dedication to abbe stadler i would gladly pay the cost of changing the title-page do not hesitate write what the expense will be and i will pay it with pleasure i earnestly beg you to do this if you have not sent out any copies in the case of the small variations the dedication to princess odostalki remains i thank you very much for the beautiful things of sebastian bach's i will preserve and study them should there be a continuation of the pieces send them to me also if you have a good text for a cantata or other vocal piece send it to me in spite of beethoven's warning opus thirty four was printed without the proof having been read by him this provoked another letter calling attention to a large number of errors in the publication of which beethoven promised to send a list he also expressed a fear that the large variations would also be faulty the more since his own manuscript had been put into the hands of the engraver and asked that the fact that the theme was from his ballet prometheus be indicated on the title-page if there were still time offering as in the case of the dedication to pay the cost of the change again he begged to be permitted to correct the proof-copy a request which was ignored in this instance as it had been in the first the result was a somewhat gentle protest in another letter october eighteen o three in which beethoven offered the firm the variations on god save the king and rule britannia the song Schlag, and three marches for the pianoforte four hands the conclusion of the letter with its postscript has a double value as an exhibition of beethoven's attitude towards the criticism of his day and as a contribution to the debated question touching the illicit printing of some of his early compositions we quote please thank the editor of the m z musikzeitung for his kindness in giving place to the flattering report of my oratorio in which there is so much rude lying about the prices which i made and i am so infamously treated which is i suppose an evidence of impartiality for all i care so long as this makes for the fortune of the m z what magnanimity is not asked of the true artist and not wholly without impropriety but on the other hand what detestable and vulgar attacks upon us are permitted answer immediately and next time another topic as always your devoted l v beethoven note well all the pieces which i have offered you are entirely new since unfortunately so many unlucky things of mine have been sold and stolen it was through the printing of the letters to breitkopf and hartel that the fact became known that beethoven originally had intended to dedicate the variations in e flat to abbe stadler the rondo in g which was announced by hofmeister and Cornell 
on march nineteenth eighteen o three was published in connection with the rondo in c which had already appeared in seventeen ninety eight as opus fifty one numbers one and two it was originally dedicated to countess giacciardi but beethoven gave her the sonata in c sharp minor in exchange for it and inscribed the rondo to countess henry of Lignofsky. this would seem to indicate that it was finished before the sonata probably in eighteen o one not a bomb has proved in his study of the kessler sketchbook that the sixth of the bagatelles in d major had its origin in eighteen o two when beethoven was at work on the second symphony end of section twenty five end of the life of ludwig von beethoven volume one by alexander wheelock thayer translated by henry edward Krebiel.